Welcome to Peak Health Unlocked, a docu-series show interviewing experts to unpack the latest science, technology, and wellness practices, all with the purpose of helping you unlock your peak health. This show would not be possible without the support of Thrive Performance and Regenerative Medicine, a team prepared to go all in to craft your personalized peak health plan. Visit the link in the show notes to start your health transformation. Enjoy the show. Emily Fletcher is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for performance. She has taught over 40,000 people the skill of meditation, is an international speaker and author with her best-selling book, Stress Less, Accomplish More. Ziva graduates include Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy award winners, Navy SEALs, and NBA players. The Ziva technique is a powerful combination of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting designed to help you get better at life, not meditation. Emily, welcome to the show. And I'd love to start things off uh, with one question that all guests are getting on this series. And it's just, how do you define immunity? The body's ability to heal itself. I like that. Simple and elegant. I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. How did you... How did you get involved in practices, obviously like meditation? And I know you've got a pretty, um, a pretty long story around immunity and let's just say health in general through meditation. Your your journey through Broadway and all of that. Why don't you just share a little bit of your story on how you got to where you're at right now and what you're what you're up to? Mm-hmm. So, for folks that don't know, when when you're on Broadway, you're doing eight shows a week, six days a week. So you only have Mondays off. And much of my ten-year career, I was touring, which means that on your one day off, you're actually flying to a new city. So there's really very little rest wow. and recovery time. And so you have to become pretty ninja at optimizing your brain, your body, your voice, your immune system. And as you can imagine, you know, flying is very hard on the voice, very hard on the immune system. And so you have to just, I mean, you become a biohacker in, in essence, because you have to be able to perform at the top of your game. Like the Tuesday night audience doesn't care that you just flew six hours on Monday with a, you know, 50 pound bag lugging around the country. <laughs> and so I am, um, I started getting sick quite often, actually. I mean, not surprisingly, just from the grueling schedule, but also I think from the stress that I was under. Um, but I would get sick maybe three to five times a year, like pretty intense ear, nose, throat things. I had to get my tonsils out when I was 19 because I was getting such bad tonsillitis. And it wasn't like you know, it was fine. Like I could still sing through it. I could still perform through it, but it was annoying, you know, and I would have to call out from time to time and which you don't get paid if you're not performing. So anyway, long Mm. story short, on top of that, I was also having uh, insomnia. I couldn't sleep through the night for about 18 months. I was going gray at the tender age of 26. And this Mm. is during my last Broadway show, which was a chorus line where my job was to understudy three of the lead roles. So that means when you show up to work at night, you have no idea which character you're going to play. So you're basically constantly in fight or flight. And (laughs) yeah, sometimes they throw you on at a moment's notice. You have no idea which character you are. And so that was the thing that was leading me to so much stress, anxiety, insomnia, going gray. And then thankfully, this woman sitting next to me in the dressing room who was understudying five of the lead roles, I was only understudying three, but this woman was nailing it. I mean, every song she sang was a celebration. Every dance she danced was a celebration. Every bite of food this woman ate, she'd be like, 
oh, this is sensational. And, uh, you know, she was Australian. So first I thought it's just because she was an Aussie that she was so happy all the time. But then I was like, no, this is extra. Like, what, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I was like, oh, God, one of you. And I rolled my eyes, didn't believe her. And just kept going gray and getting sick and sucking at my job. And then finally, I was so embarrassed about my performance. I just didn't feel like myself anymore, like the Emily Fletcher that had moved to New York knowing I could do whatever I wanted. And so finally, I was like, well, let me try this meditation thing. So I, I signed up for this four-day course. And on the first day of my first class, I was meditating. I didn't know what that meant, but I was in a decidedly different state of consciousness than I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since until last night, <laughs> which is a different story. Uh, it was a full moon. It was a lunar eclipse full moon. And my body was literally vibrating all night long last night. I slept for zero minutes last night. And I feel weirdly amazing. But that's, wow. a, that's a witchy story for another day. But this story is that on the first day of my meditation class, it cured my insomnia. Then I did not get sick. And I think this is the relevant piece of information for this podcast. I did not get sick for eight and a half years after I learned to meditate. I went from getting sick three to five times a year, like calling out from work to zero sickness for eight and a half years. And then I had my bachelorette party, which I really earned that one. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I stopped going gray. I stopped getting injured and I started enjoying my job again. So left Broadway, went to India, started a three-year training process to teach. And then since graduating, I've taught 40,000 people to meditate, Rhett and Philip being two of those, which is super yeah, exciting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the book, um, my, my first book came out last year. It's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. It's been translated into 14 languages now, which is hella exciting. Cool, and yeah. it's just cool to see this stuff like, you know, starting to spread that people are waking up to the fact that we can't just caffeinate ourselves all day and drink ourselves to sleep at night and wonder why we get cancer at 45. It's like, we have to turn inside. We have to wake up this internal pharmacy that our brains and bodies have access to. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, we've all heard the, uh, the phrase stress kills and it really does. It causes chronic sickness. And as you were discussing there that you experienced it yourself and there's so many people out there that are high achievers or just everybody that's in the, the rat race, the, the everyday stresses that we have, we weren't designed or evolved to deal with these things. So, um, you know, People always wonder, like, how is it that stress really uh, affects the immune system? Well, there's a couple of different things. So, one, it um, causes an increase in cortisol production. Cortisol is a stress hormone that blunts the immune system. So, you're blunting the immune system. And then you have this ramp up of the sympathetic system with adrenaline, noradrenaline. So, if you can discuss a little bit, like, how is it that mindfulness and meditation, I know you like to differentiate those two, mm -hmm. help with that stress reduction, which will in turn boost the immune system or help heal the immune system. Yeah. So I think it's important to understand why the human body reacts to stress in the way that it does in, in order to understand why meditation can be so powerful at boosting the immune system. Uh, and this was really liberating for me when I first learned about it, because when I was getting sick and, you know, having so much anxiety, I really felt like I was failing. I almost felt like my body was betraying me somehow. And once I started to understand that, oh no, my body's not betraying me, it's, it's protecting me, then it just, it made everything easier. So if you cut back in time about 10,000 years, say you're hunting and gathering in the woods, saber toothed tiger jumps out at you with the intent to kill, your body's going to launch into a series of chemical reactions. And one of the things like you just mentioned is cortisol, which is a stress hormone, floods the nervous system, but also your digestion floods with acid, which will shut down digestion because you want all that energy 
available to you to fight or flee the tiger. That same acid will seep onto your skin so you don't taste very good if the tiger bites into you. That's one of the things that prematurely ages us when we're chronically stressed is that acidity on the skin. Um, the bladder and bowels will evacuate to keep, keep you light on your feet. Um, and here's the tricky part is that your immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're about to be killed by a tiger? Like again, right. body needs all hands on deck for the immediate perceived threat. And the thing is, in this day and age, 99.9% .9 of the time, our threats are not predatory attacks. It's very rarely life-threatening situations. And yet too many emails in our inbox, our in-laws coming over, you know, COVID fatigue, overwhelm, the news, 24-hour news cycle, elections, like all of these things, because they're chronic, um, they can start to register in the body as fight or flight. And then it can start to suppress the immune system. Uh, so you know, body's healing itself all the time. Like if you're not chronically stressed, then, you know, your body's producing cancer cells, body's cleaning out those cancer cells. You know, you have free radicals, immune system's functioning as it was meant, and everything tends to work A-OK. -okay. Now, something I'm not as well versed on, but I think it's good to mention is just, you know, there is autoimmune issues, which is where, you know, the body starts attacking itself. And I think that this can also be a result of chronic stress, because when that adrenaline and cortisol goes on all the time. It's like, it's just constantly looking for something to fight. Like, where's the enemy? Where's the enemy? And sometimes I think it gets confused with the enemy being the body versus some sort of a pathogen. But again, I'm not an expert on autoimmune illnesses. Um, but what I do know is that once you take the body out of fight or flight and into what I call stay and play, or, you know, doctors would call it rest and digest, then not only are you getting rid of that adrenaline and cortisol, but you start to flood the body with dopamine and serotonin. And these are bliss chemicals and they feel really nice in the meditation, but then also those bliss chemicals stay with you throughout the day. And you know, when your body is able to recuperate, when you're actually giving your body rest, body knows how to heal itself. You know, you go to the doctor and you're sick, what are they gonna say? They're gonna say rest, go sleep. They'll probably give you some pills, but they're also gonna tell you to rest. They're not gonna say go run a marathon and swim here tomorrow morning. They're gonna say sleep. And, and so what meditation is doing, and specifically Ziva, is giving your body rest that is somewhere between two to five times deeper than sleep. And that's not an insignificant point because again, when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And if we go by my prior definition of immunity, that immunity is simply the body's ability to heal itself, this is really good news. And, and what's even better news is that with Ziva, you're not just healing your stress from today, which is what most of the apps and the YouTube videos are doing for you. It's like, oh, I got stressed. Let me do 10 minutes of my app. Get rid of my stress from now. But if you want that, you could smoke pot or drink wine or watch Netflix. You know, there's lots of things you can do to clear the stress from today. Even exercise will do that. Um, but if you want to get rid of the stress from your past, all that stuff that we've been storing in our cellular, and now we even are posturing our epigenetic memory, then we have to de-excite the nervous system. We have to give the body deep healing rest. And that's the whole point of the Ziva method. That's amazing. It's I, I was just about to ask you, because I, I know you speak about stress of the past and, and current stress. So thank you for uh, bringing up that point. I'm curious, Emily, just how you approach the topic of just meditation in general to people that, well, essentially would have the same reaction that you had, you know, back when you were on Broadway, like, oh, okay, another one of those. I feel like we've come a long way, given mm -hmm. there's a lot of discussion, but it's still, you know, it's, it's still not this accept, as accepted as saying, oh, I'm just going to go for a run before I meet you for dinner or something. It's, it's getting there, but I feel like we still have some, some room to go. So how do you bring it up? 
Well, I have so many, so many answers to this question. <laughs> I, don't, I actually have the luxury now of not, not bringing it up anymore. Like it used to be my full-time job. Like I was at a cocktail party. My, my mission was like, how many people can I recruit into team bliss? <laughs> you know, how yeah. many people can I get meditating? But like you said, we've come a long way. Like when I started teaching 10 years ago, it was just like some monks and me in New York city. And now yeah. it's like every, every person I meet is, is a meditation teacher. And so it's, it's changing. But here's what I still find. Everybody knows they should be meditating now. No one's actually meditating. <laughs> you know, everybody has downloaded sure. the free app. Uh, no one's using it. And this is the problem with a lot of that is that people have now, because meditation has become this like catch-all term, that means everything from scrolling through Facebook to cooking, to walking in the woods, to fighting with your boyfriend. It's like, oh, I was having like a really Zen conversation with my boyfriend. It was like meditation. It's like, no, that's called talking to your boyfriend. <laughs> exercise is called exercise and cooking is called cooking. That's why they have their own words, y'all. Um, but I'm a meditation snob and I would define meditation as a verifiable fourth state of consciousness where you are moving beyond waking, sleeping, or dreaming and where the right and left hemispheres of your brain are functioning in unison. But we can talk about that later. Okay. To your question, what do I say to people about meditation? Usually I ask them, like if they come to me about it, it's like, Hey, what type are you practicing or what's your experience so far? Like, I always just want to know where people are in their journey. And I always want to validate where they are, you know, any step that any someone has taken, it's like, bravo, way to raise your hand, way to take the first step. And then I do a lot of, um, comforting because people have so much shame around meditation. It's like this thing that this skill that everyone assumes that they taught in 10th grade, but that was just the day that they were absent. And so everybody else learned how to do it, but they secretly missed the lesson. So they're just pretending that like, oh yeah, you just clear your mind, right? You just sit down and close your eyes and clear your mind. And so everyone's walking around with this giant misconception that the point of meditation is to clear the mind. So everyone secretly feels like they're failing. This is why everyone thinks meditation is hard and why people aren't doing it. Because why would anyone do anything they feel like they're failing at? Why would anyone waste their most valuable resource, which is their time, on something that is not giving them a return on investment, right? And this is why, while I am so grateful that there is so much, quote unquote, meditation out there right now, and there's so many gateway drugs available, the, the downside of that is that people have now put meditation in the like cute pedicure for your brain category where they're like, Oh, that's nice. Like I could do 10 minutes of this YouTube thing and I feel okay, but they're spending their time versus with Ziva. You're investing your time. Like you put 15 minutes into a Ziva meditation. It's the equivalent of over an hour long nap and you're going to feel more rested on the other side. You're going to have higher cognition on the other side. Over time, you're going to increase your IQ. You're going to strengthen your corpus callosum, which is the bridge between the right and left hemispheres of the brain. You're going to boost your immune system. Your sex is going to get better your sleep is going to get better. So like without any even body data monitoring devices, you're going to be very clear on the fact that like, oh, I am getting a return on my time investment. So that's the main thing I ask people is just like, hey, you know, what have you tried? You know, what are you seeing? Like, is your life better when you do it or not? Because I would argue that we meditate to get good at life not to get good at meditation. And, um, that's a biggie. And then if they have, if they're like, I just can't clear my mind or I just can't sit still. I just give them a lot of permission. That's honestly like most of what I do in Ziva is that I'm giving people permission to have thoughts, permission to not be a frozen statue, permission to feel sleepy. Um, and provided that you 
actually have some training and a tool that was made for you and not a monk, then there's a really long leash with this practice. There's very little you can do to get it wrong, provided that you have the right tool. It's amazing. I yeah, mean, I, I asked it. Good. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Well, I'll just, yeah, just two minutes because I, I asked that as well, just because, I mean, at Thrive, we've got a we've got several practices like this that are being deployed and, you know, meditation is further along with something like journaling, I would you know, argue is two years behind where meditation is. So it's, it's helpful to, to have that terminology because I think there's so many great practices and, and modalities out there that people can jump into. It's just, we, we've got to, A, kind of dissipate the definition that they may be coming into that practice with. And then to your point, you know, flip their mind into seeing some value and some, some life value out of it. So thank you. So what are the misconceptions around journaling? Like what do people think it is versus what do you, how would you get more return on your investment from journaling? Oh, journaling. I used to, I mean, I used to get this all the time when I was running the app and it was just, oh, so you're talking about the 12 year old girl writing in the diary about the boy at school. I said, there's no, uh, there's, first of all, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about a practice of just reflection and pausing and taking time to think on powerful questions that it, it doesn't it doesn't matter who you're speaking with or who's being interviewed or which book you're reading it's loaded full of powerful reflective questions to me that that is the definition of journaling is to slow down and think and think at a point where wherever you're at in your life that you can land and resonate with whatever that prompt or whatever that narrative is, and then start to unpack, you know, whatever, whatever needs to be unpacked on your side or, or find that clarity, right? So that you can uh, open up opportunity. Mm, so beautiful. Journaling has been coming up big for me the past, I'd say like five days just keeps coming in like journal, 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 like every IG live, every post, every YouTube video I'm watching. I'm like, okay, I hear you. Okay. I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> Rhett, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, actually, I had a comment on that as well. I think that, I think this goes with meditation also is that, you know, the world, I say this a lot to our clients and a lot to Philip and Mark, that the world forces you to practice distraction. And I think that people are not comfortable with their own thoughts and or sitting in silence. And I can say that from experience, you know, so even when it comes to journaling, you know, we have a lot of clients, our, our thing is to break things down systematically here with our clients. So we have a lot of clients that come in, they're like, I don't know why I have this problem. You know, I journal and I meditate and then I exercise and then I eat right and then I sleep right. And so when you go through this stuff, you kind of break it down. Like you said, Emily, where you're like, okay, well, when do you med meditate? Well, I meditate in the morning when I open up my email as I'm scanning my email. I'm like, no, that's scanning your email. Oh my God. That's your email, you know? Come on and, now. And then, you know, the same thing with journaling where... I think people open up the journal, write a sentence and then close it because they're so afraid to figure out what's going to happen when they actually slow down and put everything aside and shut the computer off and put words to paper, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's really yeah, it's hard to understand that. Yeah, I'd never like drawn those two parallels that the same reason a lot of people are resistant to meditation is likely the same reason they're resistant to journaling is that they're terrified of what's inside there, that they've oh, just sure. spent their whole lives numbing it and distracting. And then there's people making billions and billions and even trillions of dollars on making sure that you never feel a feeling. And so, you know, I think someone that Mark, you introduced me to, he was talking about like um, your attention, like taking back your attention as an act of um, like activism. 
And I just thought this was such a radical concept of like, oh, my eyeballs are my own. My attention is my own. And it's literally being monetized by anyone who can, you know, make money off my eyeballs and where they sit. So what if I take that back? What if I reclaim my own sovereignty? And the way I think that would apply to meditation is that, well, one, once you do the meditation, it is easier on the other side for you to monotask or for you to be like, oh, this is where I'm going to place my attention. You're more conscious about where you're putting your time and attention. But I would say that inside of the meditation, a lot of times why people quit is that they simply just don't like the content of their thoughts. It's why everyone's trying to clear their mind because they don't like what it's saying. And with Ziva, you're not clearing your mind but you are changing your neurochemistry in a way that you might start to actually enjoy what your mind is saying. <laughs> it stops being so mean to you. So you're not so interested in shutting it up all the time. Yeah. So do you find that if, if it's almost like working out, if you stick with it, then people tend to have an easier time with it the more that they do it? No, it's actually the opposite. Um, meaning that usually, especially with the live training, it's it's such a different technique and it's so profound that people usually like kind of fall off the cliff in the first couple of days, like their body just like, because they, you have the gift of beginner's mind when you're starting. So you have no preconceived expectations of what should or should not be happening. And so it's much easier for the body to surrender into this new experience. Then as things go on, they're like, oh, then they start chasing the dragon where they're like, oh, I want that deep nourishing thing again. And then they start using effort. And the whole point of Ziva is, is effortlessness and ease and surrender. And then what happens over time is that as the right and left hemispheres of the brain start to merge, as these states of consciousness start to um, become one, the difference between your waking state and your meditation state starts being less dramatic. And, and so it, it feels less rewarding. No, that's not true. It feels less uh, validating like three months into your meditation journey feels different than day one, right? Because you're not as stressed in your waking state. So the body doesn't need to go as deep during the meditation. So instead of white to black, you're actually just shades of gray. And then mm. people sometimes think they're doing something wrong. They're like, wait, I miss those deep dives. We used to have right wait in the beginning when you taught me. And, you know, I ask them when they call me and I'm like, Hey, how's your life? And they're like, Oh, life's great. I got a new boyfriend. I'm sleeping great. My sex is better. I've got a raise at work. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> but you know, before I hang up on them, I remind them that we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. Right. Oh, and so it's yeah. like, when we keep chasing the deep thing, if we keep trying to clear the mind in the sitting, we're missing the whole effing point, which is to be better in the other 23 hours of our day. Man, did that ever land on, on this side? Because I, I had that experience with uh, breath work, specifically some of Wim Hof's uh, breathing techniques. And I remember for sure the first like two to three weeks probably were just like getting that that oxygen high, essentially. I've never felt that in my life. And it was, then I started chasing that. And to, kind of to your point, I feel like as time has gone, I don't get into that state as easy, but I mean, there are, there are all the other life benefits that I've, apparently I've forgotten about. So that's a good, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like we don't go to the gym because we love the 18th minute on the Stairmaster. Yeah, right. Like so no one's true. trying to be like, oh, God, that 43rd minute on the treadmill was really ecstatic. It's like, no, you do it so that your cardiovascular ability is better in the rest of your day. So that you have nice color in your cheeks and your clothes fit better and you have better stamina to play with your kids. Like that's why we go to the gym. It's the same thing with 
meditation. It's, it's really more like a shower than it is like doing ecstasy or mushrooms or something. Like there's lots of things you can do if you just want to feel good for a little while. Right. But if, yeah. but with meditation, you're systematically eradicating the entire backlog of stresses you've ever accumulated in your entire life. And oftentimes that does not feel good. Oftentimes that is not an enjoyable process because who wants to feel their feelings? Nobody. So true. <laughs> so true. I do this for a living and I'll do anything to avoid my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I actually came into the podcast, you know, with some guilt because when I first took your course uh, on Mind Valley, the M word, I was all in. I bought into it. I was like, this is amazing. I feel great. I'm performing better. I felt all the benefits. For the first few days, I didn't feel all that good. I was like, wow, this is okay. I guess I'm just dumping everything. But then, mm-hmm. then I've waxed and waned on my meditation. And then I was, you know, watching some videos uh, again uh, with you doing some talks and you were discussing this that, you know, you were trying to figure out at one point in your career, like, why is it that people start and then they stop? And how could you get them to continue that meditative process? And so I'm back on the wagon. So I'm, yeah. but I feel guilty because I was like, I'm going to have to talk to my guru that actually taught me how to meditate yeah. and tell yeah. her that I failed. <laughs> we, we harassed each other for months. In fact, when we got the Mind Valley All Access Pass, um, Philip and I were in the stage of trying to build Thrive. We hadn't even met Mark yet, and we were kind of one-upping each other like, okay, we're going to start with these two courses. And he slaps Jim Quick's course, and then he says, and then we're going to do the M word for meditation. I was like, oh, shit. Meditation? Like, I'm juggling like, while I'm like, meditating. I was like, look, I was like, look, used to call me in, in college the energy guy. Like, I can't sit for five minutes, okay? We can't take this course first. <laughs> but, you know, it's forward now, and it's, I mean, for me, it has been crucial because obviously I am 90% sympathetic nervous system. And so it, when I'm not doing my meditation, Mark and Philip, first thing they'll say is, like, hey, bro. You need to meditate. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how people notice it. And I imagine your kids at this point can probably tell too. Like they're the ones that become our meditation police because they're like, mommy, you need to meditate. Like you're in a bad mood. You need to go handle that. (laughs) And, and I love it when they keep us honest, right? Cause it's like, they're not going to lie. They're going to be the most uh, clear accountants, but good for you for giving it a go. And also fun fact, Jim quick is also a Ziva graduate. And he says it's, it's crucial. He's like, it's, it's the one he's like, I can't imagine my day without it. I'm at a disadvantage when I don't meditate and he's the brain guy. Right. So his brain was already pretty awesome. (laughs) So since we're on the uh, topic of kids, uh, I saw that you were going to launch Ziva kids. And I was telling you before we started recording that I have a seven year old Finley and, Mark has a four-year-old Caleb, and this is really, really cool because we're trying to model how to live healthy in all aspects of our lives for our kids. So this is a really cool. So if you can talk about that, I'm super excited about it and want some tips on how do I get my child to be able to do this meditation with me and not feel like being punished. Well, first of all, I love what you said. We're we're trying to figure out how to model this behavior because that really is the key. You know, if you eat healthy, your kids are much more likely to eat healthy. If you're meditating, they're much more likely to meditate. If they see you exercising, they're going to be more likely to exercise. But you can't be a stress ball, you know, drinking coffee all day and drinking all night and being like, oh, why aren't you meditating, kid? It's like, (laughs) well, one, what is that? And two, like, you don't even do it. And three, your stress is stressing me out, dad. So, you know, relax. Um, 
there was actually an interesting study. I think it was out of Yale. Um, you can fact check me on that, where they were studying kids with pretty high anxiety and they didn't even treat the children. They only treated the parents and the parents went to therapy in this particular case. And there was something crazy. And again, fact check me on this, but it was, it was a marked drop in anxiety, like a 60 to 70% drop in the children's anxiety, just by the parents dealing with their anxiety through therapy. And so, and I've seen this time and time again, like we just posted in our Facebook group being like, Hey, those of you who are parents, like how has Ziva impacted your life as a parent? And it's, I, we literally got hundreds of comments. I was I was bawling, crying, reading them because we've never asked that question before. You know, we've never really had a reason to ask it. And people were just like, I feel more connected to my kid. My kid is modeling the behavior. I have two words. It's more hugs. Our family is more intimately connected. It's opened our hearts to each other. My son and I spoke to each other the first time in years. Like it's just all this profound change that happens when you as the parent agree to take the first step, right? When you agree to clean your own house. But just like in the Suzuki method, um, which is a, a pretty famous way of teaching violin to children. Like if you do the Suzuki method, the children is not, the child is not even allowed to pick up the violin until their parent or caretaker has learned one song on the, on the violin. Hmm. And, and so the idea is that you can't be a guide until you have some sort of understanding of, of how challenging it is. And so with Ziva Kids, what we've done is we've, we've been working on this for over two years now. We've worked with um, writers from Sesame Street, puppeteers from Sesame Street, puppet builders from Sesame Street, um, Harvard-based child psychologist, uh, Dr. Shafali, Dr. Mark Hyman. I mean, we really have the world's best elite team um, for this course. And with my ba Broadway background, uh, we just try to make it as entertaining as possible. And so it's actually two separate courses. There's one for four to eight-year-olds, and then there's one for nine to 14-year-olds. And then the four to eight-year-olds, it's very much me and Z-Bunny. Z-Bunny is the name of, of my sidekick, my co-host. And we shot it kind of like a Netflix episode. Um, you know, they're short and sweet and they're fun and funny, and it's very episodic. So each lesson, Z-Bunny is training to be a superhero. So he has a new challenge. And every day I teach him how to unlock a superpower inside of him by using either mindfulness meditation, or manifesting, which are the three M's that make up the Ziva technique. So just like Ziva Online is trained to make adults superheroes, Ziva Kids is teaching kids how to unlock these superpowers that are already inside of them so that they can step into the most amazing version of themselves. And the thing that's really important to me as a distinction is that, you know, you know, it's in the news every day of the pandemic and schools opening, closing, masks. What's the long-term effect of mental health on children? Suicide rates are up. Anxiety rates are through the roof. You know, like we don't need to stress ourselves out about how much stress there is. Yeah. And, and Ziva Kids is very much not trying to tell kids that they're sick or tell kids that there's anything wrong with them. It's not medicine. It's a superpower. It's like, oh, you're going to learn these skills and you're going to have this for life. This is going to make you so anti-fragile, so resilient. You are going to develop this emotional agility so that you're going to be able to turn inside yourself for your creativity, turn inside yourself for your bravery, turn inside yourself for your kindness. Cool. And, and the cool thing is that it's not just when they're kids, like they're going to have this for life. And so I'm just, as you can tell, I'm pretty fired up yeah, about it. As you I'm should be. be cool. Great idea. Yeah. Well, if you ever need a stand-in for Z Bunny, uh, Rhett here, <laughs> uh, loves to dress up and be a clown. My daughter's always challenging him to dance-offs and karaoke-offs, and it's 
hilarious. But oh my so, gosh, Rhett, you're hired. I mean, you're hired. I mean, we'll take the show on the road. Um, and this it's coming out in February, but people can go and like check it out right now. Like they can get on the list okay. to be the first to know. And it's just it's just zebameditation.com slash kids. And we're gonna start releasing some like behind the scenes sneak peek of Z Buddy and some outtakes uh, and some really fun stuff coming soon. Cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we, we we you know we're joking about that idea, but uh, Philip's always trying to tell me what I quote and I always tell our clients or I say to myself, sleep is my superpower, but I think I'm going to add meditation to that list because the way you speak about it is the way you speak about it. I mean, I'm in, I'm like, I'm going to go meditate for two hours after this. I really. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about this is that you don't have to do it for two hours, right? You just do it for 15 minutes and you're like, Oh, I'm good. It was the equivalent of an hour long sleep. Yeah. So now, now you got both. We should actually, I, 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 um, aware of this, that all of us obviously have done the, uh, the Ziva technique, but the listeners may not be familiar with the three, uh, steps or pillars. Maybe we should talk about that at this point. If you, yeah, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so the Ziva method is the three M's it's mindfulness, meditation and manifesting. And a lot of people are using the terms mindfulness and meditation like synonyms, but I I think it's important to delineate as these techniques are getting more and more popular. So mindfulness, I would define as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment, right? So the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment, which is beautiful and powerful and necessary, especially in this day and age where everyone's trying to get our eyeballs on things. Um, Now, mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the now. Like I was saying earlier, my boss yelled at me at work today. I did 10 minutes of this app. I feel better in the now. It's a state change. This is, which is very different than the meditation portion of Ziva, which is likely different than what most people have tried. Um, and this is where you're giving your body that rest. that's deeper, five times deeper than sleep. You're de-exciting your nervous system. You're accessing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness where the right and left hemispheres of the brain are functioning in unison. And in, when you give your body this deep rest, it starts to heal itself, not only from the stress from today, but all the stress from your past all that stuff that we've been storing in our cellular memory. And this is really where the return on investment comes. Because when you go in and clear out that stress that's stored in your cells, this is the thing that increases your cognitive performance. This is the thing that increases your immune system. This is the thing that increases your sleep latency, your skin elasticity, your brain elasticity, and ultimately your performance. Because stress, unfortunately, is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And so if you get rid of the actual root cause of what is dealing, what is creating so many ailments, what's responsible for 90% of all doctor's visits, FYI, according to Harvard Medical School, stress is responsible for 90% of all doctor's visits. So if you get rid of that, you're going to start performing better and you're going to have a return on your time investment. So that's the meditation piece. It feels kind of like a nap sitting up but without this, without the sleep hangover. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side, you're happier, you're more focused, you're more present, you get more done in less time. So that's meditation. And then the third M is sort of like the dessert course, and this is manifesting. And sometimes I get some eye rolls when I say manifesting because people think like, oh God, you want me to secret my dreams or, <laughs> you know, I, I have to work for a living and, you know, that's just magic talk. That's magical thinking. Um, but the, the reality is we're manifesting all day, every day, 
you are already manifesting. The question is, do you have your hands on the wheel of it or not? Are you consciously creating a life you love or are you still pretending that you're a victim to your circumstances? And, and the reality is we're co-creating all the time. You want to know what you're manifesting? Look at your life, look at your bank account, look at your sex life, look at your home, look at everything around you. And, and this is not to say that there are not like disenfranchised communities and that there are not people that are actively being, you know, discriminated against, like that is a real thing. And, and I would say that manifesting is a privilege. And I would say that if you have the privilege of manifesting, then it is one that you should take advantage of and then manifest everything and anything you can to lift up disenfranchised communities. Um, so the thing about manifesting is that it's very simple, but it's also very powerful. And a lot of us think that we're manifesting, but we're secretly complaining. Hmm. We're like, why can't I lose this weight? Why do I keep getting sick? Why does she have a boyfriend and I don't? Why didn't I get that promotion? And if you ask terrible questions, you're going to get terrible answers, right? Why, why can't I lose this weight? Well, because you're lazy and you eat too much, too many Oreos. Well, why does she have a boyfriend and I don't? Well, because you're old and fat and ugly. And why did he get a promotion and I didn't? It's like, well, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> and so you, you don't want to ask these terrible open-ended questions because your brain will answer them. But with Ziva, what I teach people to do is at the end of the meditation, where you're accessing this beautiful, yummy fourth state of consciousness and you access source energy, then you start to ask the question, and here's a little Cliff's Notes spoiler alert. You ask the question, what would I love right now? Hmm. What would I love right now? And when you say love, it puts you into spirit. It puts you into possibility. What would I love right now? Puts you into present moment awareness. So it's not, what do I want, right? That's lack. That's need. Not what should I have? That's obligation. It's what would I love right now? And, and there's just so much magic that can happen from this. And, and the answer might come right then. It might come later on that day, but if but you create a discipline, just like you would working out or just like you would the meditation itself, and you start to become disciplined about allocating time men, mental resources to your dreams. Because the thing is we're allocating the same mental resources. We're just man of fearing. We're just putting our energy on everything that we're terrified will happen. We're just watering the weeds, watering the weeds, watering the weeds. And with manifesting, you're turning your attention onto the thing that you actually want to grow because what we put our attention on grows. Yeah, Emily, I was going to say, I, I think that, you know, we try to do everything we can. I push all of my clients and anybody in my life to manifest as much as possible. I think it's just as important because, you know, you can't spend all day in meditation and mm -hmm. you have to go to work and you have to be a husband or a father and, you know, brother, friend. So you spend a lot of time with your waking thoughts. And so, and I think that, you know, whatever I can do to help people break down the objections to manifesting, just like you said, when you say manifest, people are like, oh, I roll. Okay, crazy lady. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to think it into existence. But at one point, maybe in their life back in the day, they did that with ease, you know, maybe when they were children mm. or something like that. So it's just really important to me. And I try to put, you know, help people understand that in their own life. Great. Thank you for that. Because it, it's really like, it's this... It's this magic treasure trove that we all have access to and no one's, not that many people are using it. Oh, for sure. I, I come across this all the time too. And it, it's part of the reason years ago now I started talking about just mental fitness and trying to use that language because then people start to relate to physical fitness and you can link up with, mm -hmm. you know, Olympians and athletes that 
all of a sudden it's not weird that they're visualizing the downhill ski course and feeling every turn of the course like the that is not questioned at all right mm-hmm. but why you know why can't we do that for our life as well or the big presentation you're about to do or whatever you right there's so many different use cases that it's so applicable in in, in many ways yeah. Or like even just your whole day, like I want to be super present with my kid. I want to show up for my partner. I want to be the best leader I can with my team. Like, why is that any less important than your Olympic gold medal yeah. run? I mean, well, I get it. It's like your whole career is leading up to that one moment, but it's still like, this is your life. So this is your day. This is the last time you're ever going to live this day. Why not get intentional about it? So I'll share one thing that I've been doing recently is I just joined this group of like eight witches and um, <laughs> it, there's, it's so awesome. Women, these group women have been in this group for like 18 years and I just got invited in and it's so cool because every six weeks we have a game and the game is something like, what's one thing that you would be so proud to have done, but you don't want to do it? Or what's one thing that needs to burn to the ground before the end of the year? Or how do you use your sleep to really create your waking state reality that you want? So anyway, there's a game every six weeks and then we partner up. So there's four teams and every morning I write my partner and I write out my whole day, but in past tense. So I have to send, I have to email it to her by 10 a.m. And it's like the podcast for immunity went amazing. I, we were all laughing our faces off. We we touched everybody's hearts. I was so present. I had so much fun with my son. We had magic emails in. I found an a, a plus superstar executive assistant. I was in bed by 11. My meditations were profound and mind opening. And my workout was awesome. And I ate the most delicious food. And I write that at 10 a.m., And I email it out. And then before I go to sleep at night, I have to report back. So I go to that same email and I'm like, yep, interview was awesome. Rhett and Philip were actually Ziva grads. Um, (laughs) You know, I, we had, my son and I had so much fun at the park, you know, no magic emails in, but you know, did hire an executive assistant. So you actually report back. And the cool thing is there, you have some accountability. So it keeps you dreaming, but it keeps you dreaming inside of what you believe is possible. And this is actually a really important step for manifesting is do you believe that it's possible? Because if you don't, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. And and it's like another excuse of like, well, this manifesting thing doesn't work. Um, So you have to believe that it's possible. It might be a stretch, but you got to believe it's possible. So Anyway, it's just, I've, it's been real magic. I've been doing it now for about 12 weeks. I've been in this group and my life is changing very quickly. It's amazing. Wow. It's cool. That's awesome. I like that you report your L's and your W's to the, to your mm-hmm. so yeah. the fact that you can let go of the L's and then continue to move forward because even the L's get you closer to your manifestation or your, or what your goal is going to be. So that's right. And what I tend to write is instead of like loss or no, um, I'll just write on the way. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's on the awesome. way. Not, not here yet. It's on good the way. Reframe. That's a great reframe. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of the listeners are probably wondering, is there any data? Is there any scientific data that, that can prove that uh, mindfulness and meditation and or meditation uh, actually improves immunity. And so I, I was researching this topic for a while and came across this great paper. I don't know if you've read it. And if not, uh, we'll post it in the show notes and I'll send it to you if you don't have it. But it's a it's a paper that l- is a randomized controlled study that they looked at 20 or it was a review of 20 randomized control studies of about 1600 patients. And they, they put them in a mindfulness meditation practice. So they put them in a standardized practice. They looked at uh, 
actual markers to see if there was improvement after doing mindfulness and meditation. And so as far as like inflammatory markers, you have a decrease in C-reactive protein, which is a biomarker of acute inflammation, a decrease in the NFKB uh, transcription activity. That is a pathway that is normally activated if you have an intruder in your body, a virus, you have a heavy metal, things like that. But it can be misactivated or activated improperly by stress and chronic stress can activate this pathway, which can lead to autoimmunity, cancer. So the answer, you know, the question you, or the statement you had that you didn't know if, you know, for sure if it did, well, it does in fact uh, lead to autoimmunity. The other thing is it increases your CD4 T helper cell count and activity. So it does improve immunity by improving the quantity and the activity of your immune cells. And this is another cool thing that has to do with not immunity, but longevity, and which is a topic that I've heard you discuss before, but it increases telomerase activity. So it improves the quality and the, and the length of your telomeres, which I've heard you say that there's studies that show that meditation increases your life expectancy from like seven to 15 years, if I'm quoting, quoting you correctly, but interesting mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. I would love to see those studies. I actually just pulled out my book uh, just to be a total nerd and, and quote myself, but the, so the book's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And there's a whole chapter called Sick of Being Sick. And I just basically share like some anecdotal stories and, and some things that I've seen from teaching 40,000 folks. And, you know, so, I mean, there are, it's all referenced and there are some scientific studies in there as well, but I also think that the anecdotal stuff is pretty fascinating. Um, one story that happened well, is that I it was actually one of my very first private clients. And this is a gentleman, he was in his early seventies and I was at his house. I was teaching him and his wife and we did this whole like ceremony. And then he closed his eyes and I was giving him his mantra for the first time. And um, the word mantra has been a little hijacked by the wellness industry. Uh, it actually is a Sanskrit word. Man means mind and trut means vehicle. So a mantra is a mind vehicle. And it's one of the things that helps to de-excite the nervous system and the meditation portion of the Ziva practice. And so anyway, I gave him his mantra and he had very pronounced Parkinson's. And so his tremors were, were pretty you know, noticeable and they were constant. And so he closes his eyes and he starts doing his mantra and his tremors just stopped, like instantly stopped. And it seemed sort of miraculous to me. Like it was pretty moving. I actually started crying because I'd never like witnessed anything like that before. And, you know, he had his eyes closed for a few minutes and I had him open his eyes and then we did the meditation and they, it stopped again. And his tremors stopped the entire, we did it for about 15 minutes. And then afterwards he asked, he said, did you notice that my tremor stopped? And I said, I did notice, but I didn't want to make a big deal about it because he was kind of self-conscious. And then I did some research. Oh, so the next day I went back, we meditated again, tremors stopped again. And uh, the next day they, they came back about five minutes after the meditation. The next day they came back about 10 minutes after the meditation. Oh, wow. The next day it was about 15 minutes after the meditation. And so once I did some research, I realized that dopamine is actually like a natural antidote to whatever the chemical is that, that causes the tremors when you have Parkinson's and that actually some of the leading edge Parkinson's medications are bioidentical or mm, don't quote me on that. They are similar to the effects of dopamine. They, I'm sure they do other things as 
well, but they're basically like giving your body fake dopamine as part of the Parkinson's treatment. And so that was really fascinating to watch. Um, I've had women in their forties that said they would never be a candidate for IVF that were infertile, get, come back to their doctor two years later and have the fertility markers of an 18 year old. I've had people with IBS, like irritable bowel syndrome. That's a big one that people come back and they're like, oh, my IBS is gone. And I've never advertised that, but I have hundreds and hundreds of students who've said this to me. Um, you know, lots of people like me are like, oh yeah, just stop getting colds. Um, what else? You know, chronic fatigue obviously changes, uh, but it's just, it's just so exciting to see the body be able to heal itself in the way that it knows how to heal. And this is, of course, you know, sometimes we need interventions in Western medicine and, and all of that, but it's like, why not set yourself up for success? Just like you want to eat vegetables and be in the sunshine and have physical activity. Like meditation just needs to be part of that whole wellness pie. You're preaching to the, to the choir over here. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think I'm always looking for confirmation of mind-body connection. And I can tell you that is definitely the secret sauce because I've also worked a couple of years in pain medicine and you know, some of these people are at the end of their rope and sometimes that's all you can do. So, you know, they can tell me even the placebo effect, I tell patients like that is an effect, you know what I mean? So if it makes yeah. you 30% better, then you're getting 30% better. So I love hearing those stories. And I think that that's how you empower people, clients, patients, whatever, to show them that the way they think can affect the way that they feel and it can be proven physiologically. Mm, yes. And people, when they're like, oh, what if this meditation thing is a placebo effect? I'm like, you know, a placebo effect is a, a thing that's happening in your mind, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, meditation is a thing that's happening in your mind. So who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who cares if it's meditation or placebo? Same, same. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Emily, we, we've got about five minutes left. So we want to respect your time and uh, ask you the closing question just to uh, get an idea on what you're thinking about one of these non-negotiables in your life. Obviously, we could speak to you for hours. There's such a great vibe, I think, between uh, all of us on the on the podcast. So, thank you for that. The question, though, uh, and you know what, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out meditation as the as the answer because I feel like yeah, that's an obvious one. But the question is, what is one thing you consider to be a non-negotiable to your immunity? Well, if you take out the meditation, I'd say there's two quick ones. One is I'm doing vitamin D pretty religiously right now. Okay. And the other one, which is a really quick one is I'm doing tongue scraping. And I don't know if it's, I don't know that I'm necessarily doing it specifically for my immunity. I think I'm more doing it for vanity. Um, so tongue scraping is just like, you have like a copper tongue scraper and you scrape your tongue in the morning, ideally first thing before you swallow, before you drink water, before you brush your teeth and you scrape all that white gunk off your tongue. And according to Ayurvedic medicine, which is sort of like the sister science to the type of meditation that I teach, Veda means knowledge and Ayur means longevity. So Ayurveda is the knowledge of longevity. And part of that is, you know, not getting sick and optimizing your immune system. So every morning, like overnight, your your body produces this thing called ama, which in in Ayurveda it, or Sanskrit, ama is like it's like a toxic goo, <laughs> and okay. your body's releasing it all throughout the night. And so it's really important that you scrape it off your tongue first thing in the morning, otherwise you, you re-ingest it, and then your body just has to process it again. And it can show up in your skin, it can show up in your digestion. It just kind of like bogs down the system. So that's something I do every morning before. Or I have water or brush my teeth and it just takes like 10 seconds. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Emily, I want to ask you a, a favor if you have a little bit of time. So one thing that was a I loved, loved doing, and uh, you did this uh, on your on the M word was the love bomb meditation. Do you have time to walk mm. us through a love bomb? I think now more than ever, the world needs some healing and it'd be great if we could do that. Yeah, I would love to do that. So for those folks that this is new to them, which is probably most everybody, this is just like the Emily Fletcher version of a meta meditation, which is a loving kindness meditation. I call it the love bomb very purposefully because, you know, we've got plenty of other types of bombs going off in the world. And it's like, well, what if we had like explosions of love happening, you know, and I know that word love, even, even the word love itself can be a little cheesy or perceived as a little hippy dippy, but really when you come right down to the core of the core of the core of like, what's the thing that's beating your heart right now? What's the thing that's making plants alive? What's the thing that is animating our bodies? You know, it's, it's energy itself. It's life force itself. And some people would even call that thing love. And so the beautiful thing about love or really anything valuable is the more you give of it, the more you receive in return. So to start this, I would recommend just having a seat with your back supported and your head free and turn off your phone, turn off any other tabs on your computer and give yourself the gift of these few minutes to really come home to yourself, to give yourself the gift of this flood of oxytocin, which is a love chemical. And we're going to give this gift to everyone around you as well. So taking a big inhale through the nose, exhaling through the mouth, Letting the exhale be longer than the inhale. Inhaling through the nose, space around the belly, lots of space around the heart. We're going to need it. And exhaling, letting your brow soften, your jaw soften, your shoulders drop, your heart expand, and your belly soften. One more big breath, breathing spaciousness around your heart. And as you exhale, just imagining any extra holding, any extra tension, just melting down from the tops of your heads all the way down to the very bottoms of your feet. Really good. And from this space of coming home to yourself, of bringing your awareness inside your body, settling your mind and body down, I invite you to think of one person who you adore. One person who makes you feel wonderful. One person that you really love. It could be your kid, your partner, your best friend. Just imagine them sitting about three feet in front of you and looking right into their eyes. Noticing what that does to your body, just imagining, looking at this person who you love right in their eyes, the vulnerability, any nervousness or anxiety that it brings up, any feelings of love right out of the gate. And imagine them looking back into your eyes and noticing how that feels to be seen, really, truly seen and held energetically by this person who you love and who loves you so much. Really good. And on your next inhale, I want you to look right into their eyes and imagine saying to them, I love you. I love you. I know I don't say it enough. It feels a little scary and vulnerable to put myself out there, but I do. I love you. Just noticing how that softens their eyes, how it softens your breathing. 
And imagine this person who makes you feel so wonderful looking right back into your eyes, right into your soul. And they say from their very core of their being, they say to you, I love you. And breathing that in, letting that energy start to permeate every cell in your body, letting that love energy come in through your eyes and start to vibrate all the way into your heart. And as you inhale, I invite you to strengthen this frequency, this sensation of love that's already inside of you. With every pulsation of your heart, you can imagine this frequency of love starting to permeate every single cell in your body. So this love that you've just given to this person and that they've given back to you is strengthening with every beating of your heart and it starts to vibrate in your chest. Perhaps it starts to feel like sparkles or glitter or beautiful white pulsating light. And that light fills your chest, starts to expand down your arms and your hands. This love moves down into your belly, into your hips, your thighs, your calves and your feet. And imagine this beautiful sensation, this beautiful pulsing white light just beaming out of the bottoms of your feet, beaming out through the palms of your hands and shooting up through the very top of your head because this frequency of love cannot be contained by your body anymore. It has to spill out and start to fill up the entire room that you're in. So with each inhale, you're strengthening this frequency of love. You're breathing into your heart and as you exhale, imagine sending it out to the whole room filling it with this beautiful healing frequency of love. Really good. And on your next inhale, breathing in, breathing in the sensation of love. You can come back to this person's eyes if that's strengthening for you. Coming back to this beautiful sensation of oxytocin coursing through your body. And as you exhale, imagine sending it out to the whole country. The red states, the blue states, the people who agree with you, the people who don't agree with you, just blasting the whole dang country with so much love, so much unity. Everyone who's feeling fatigued, exhausted, alone, tired, sick, scared. Just imagine wrapping the whole country, your whole country with this beautiful, healing, enveloping sensation of love. And imagining for a moment that someone who felt alone doesn't feel quite so alone. And coming back to this person's eyes, breathing them in, breathing in their love for you, breathing it into your heart, strengthening this frequency into your body. And as you exhale, imagine sending it out to the whole world, wrapping the entire planet with this beautiful healing frequency of love. Every person, place, thing, animal, plant, just blasting them all with as much love as you can muster. Knowing that as you send it out, it's simultaneously coming back to you. So opening your heart, allowing yourself to receive this boomerang effect. You could imagine encapsulating the whole planet with this pulsating white light, this pulsating frequency of energy itself, of love itself. Remembering that there really is only one thing and we are all it. And that one thing is the energy of love. So with that sense of connection, with that sense of expansiveness, with that sense of receptivity, receiving all that love that's pouring back into your heart, I invite you to take a big cleansing inhale. 
And as you exhale, letting go of anything that is not serving you or serving this beautiful frequency. And starting to move your hands, move your feet. You can flutter your eyes halfway open and close them again. And when you are feeling ready, when you are feeling present in your body, you can start to slowly, gently open the eyes. Wow. Wow, that was beautiful. I literally have tears streaming down my face. Mm, beautiful. We need it. I was going to say in the words of the the Broadway lady, that was sensational. <laughs> <laughs> sensational. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, As this is a podcast about controlling your nervous system, um, I've been trying to control my excitement. Um, I think these guys have called me fanboy a couple times, and I just want you guys to know I'm 100% okay with that. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to thank you because this is this was really exciting for us and I mean it really for me meditation started with the n-word so this was been something we've been looking forward to well you know what I'd love to do is gift y'all Ziva online because that would be like a beautiful next step in your meditation journey I mean the n-word is awesome and I'm so glad they all started there but Ziva online would give you a more powerful mantra it would teach you a twice a day meditation practice you'd get monthly coaching calls with me and so I'd love to, to gift y'all that if uh, if you want to keep your fanboydom up oh yeah <laughs> say no more say no more, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if people want to check that out um, I'd actually love to give your listeners the first three days of it for free as well. Awesome. And that's just zivameditation.com slash preview. And it's, uh, and you can do the first three days. It's a 15 day course, but then you'll learn the mindfulness technique and then people can decide if this is something they want to continue on with. Amazing. We'll get that with that in the show notes. Great. And thank you so much. This was just uh, a true pleasure and delight. Well, for me too. This has been really lovely. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for creating this. Thank you for making this so much fun. Uh, it was it was really lovely to connect. Emily, it was hilarious. One time I heard you say when you were talking about that stress makes you slow, stupid, and sick. You're like, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> That's right. When you said that. <laughs> it's true. Like, who wants to be st stupid, sick, and slow? Nobody. <laughs> It's amazing. All right, let's start here. Emily Fletcher. Wow. Blown. Just energy and, I mean, to good call in the love bomb meditation at the end there. I mean, that was powerful stuff. Yeah, we need that. We need healing right now, just individual healing. There's lots of people going through a lot of things right now with COVID and social justice things going on, just a lot of stresses in the world. It's changed quite a bit. So having individual healing and a collective consciousness of sending love out to the world, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. With a voice like that, she can, I'm sure she can heal a lot for <laughs> sure. She's, I'm, I'm, now double, I'm now double ultimate fanboy. So you can call me fanboy all you want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm fine with it. It's fine. Next I'm time. sure. I'm sure all the listeners are now fanboys. So you guys out there, if you're listening out there, you know what I'm talking about. She's awesome. Yeah. Well, Next there's just this level of energy. Wearing a uh, t-shirt with her face on it. <laughs> yeah. Don't be scared, Emily. I will keep them in check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I just, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, I, I just kept having these moments of you know ref reflection on like how like her energy is so different. I find like she's just. 
you know, she's talking about serious things when it comes to uh, reversing, you know, a lot of different chronic disease and, and whatnot and experiences that she's been through with others. And, but at the same time, like she speaks of all of these practices and, and how to, you know, communicate about it in this just like fun, playful way, right? That it just, it softens the topic and makes everything accessible. I just, I found that really remarkable. Yeah. I think all of us, you know, the most of us just, we want to be so regimented and we make things so difficult. And the beauty and the elegance of Emily is that she just makes it fun, relatable, and just chill out, chill out and just do it. And you're going to get the benefits from it. So pretty cool. And she's funny as all get out too. So she's very, very pretty. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Rhett, do you have anything? <laughs> well, I'll continue. I'll continue in Rhett, Rhett, his thoughts. But um, so one thing... <laughs> I was out raising money last night, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I loved about, you know, what with her practice is she's already functioning or already doing practices that are such high level, doing the three M's, the mindfulness, the medif- uh, manifestation, the meditation, yet she is still seeking how to perform even at a higher level by getting in this group of what she called those witches, uh, yeah. which was, we talked more about what these witches are, but, um, but the, you know, the, the way she's framing her questions or, or what she's doing for the day, like it's already past tense. And then she ch- sends them out in the morning. She checks in, in the evening, she marks her L's and W's and that's improving her performance. So that's really cool that yeah. somebody at that level is constantly trying to improve, gain that little edge. And that's just like super athletes and, and uh, CEO, high-level CEOs, they're always just that little margin that they can get to perform better, which is cool. I've got something to say, okay? I'm going to get on my soapbox here. And Lord. I'm going to – no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a euphemism that you can relate to. It's You've heard of the euphemism tripping over dollars – or yeah, dollars to make pennies. And I think relating that to meditation – you cannot, all you high functioning people or, you know, seemingly high functioning, you are not going to get anywhere without a meditative meditation practice. It's impossible. And Mark, you know, this Dr. G, you know, this we've been through ups and downs, especially building thrive. And the worst of times are when I'm not taking care of myself from a nervous system standpoint, if you want to talk about the physiology of it, but also a mindset standpoint. So you know, you can push yourself as hard as you want, 75 hard, tons of challenges, you know, lack of sleep, all of those are bad practices, but you know, you're not going to get away with not meditating and not being mindful. And Mark, I know you have a lot to say about that. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think anytime you're, you know, just trying to push through really anything, I mean, you're, you're met with the equal amount of resistance back, right? Not to say you can't push that boulder up the hill, but it, man, it makes for a hell of a challenging journey and not the most pleasant, you know, situation. So the more we can reduce a bit of that resistance, starting with our mind and and clearing out, you know, clearing out a lot of the thoughts and the emotions and the stuff jamming things, uh, in our mind, it's, it's, to me, it's like, it's like opening up the front door and the back door and a big gust of wind comes blowing through your house and like blows out all the cobwebs and just cleans things out. Now, all of a sudden, you can see in the corner, you can see around here, you just, you feel more clear, right? And I mean, that's one of the benefits. Obviously, there's everything else that she talked about from a, from a health standpoint and an immunity standpoint. But 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel it when I don't meditate or if I don't journal or any of these mental fitness practices and kind of to your point, Philip, I've, I've realized this myself as well over the last probably five plus years now since going really hard on this stuff is that it's just endless. Like, you know, she, I'm not surprised she's, you know, she's in this group of witches, let's say, and essentially setting intentions for the day. Um, because there's just so many things to try, right? And you, you start there and then all of a sudden like, oh, wait a second. Or there's breath work and there's this and like we've experienced that as well, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's cool because it's it's endless. And I mean, for the most part, uh, I haven't come up up against it yet, but I mean, it's all plus plus or on the positive side when it comes to our, our health. Yeah, I have another thing to say, Mark. Um, let me get back. Let me get back on the soapbox because this is going to be a big takeaway for the listeners, for real. No, seriously. So, you guys can relate to this, all you guys out there that are listening. At one point in your own life, or your friends, or colleagues, or even in the year 2020, people are having waxing and waning anxiety, and it's probably an anxiety that maybe you can't pinpoint. You know, sometimes you're like, "Oh man, I have a project due. I'm, I'm anxious," but Sometimes you're just anxious. And yeah. I think general anxiety disorder, you know, not otherwise specified is the, the medical term. People don't un- understand why they're anxious. And I would challenge you to understand that today's world, as I've always said, forces you into constant external stimulation right under the surface, subtle, you are not aware of it. So when you can't figure out why you're anxious, don't try to solve a problem that you don't know what's ca- that's causing the anxiety. I would say start here because when you actually meditate or you actually just slow the mind down or have a mindfulness practice, and Mark, you can follow up with this, you start to realize that the anxiety is just a general anxiety and it's probably the nervous system just needs to calm down from the constant texts, the constant emails, the constant tasks. You know, they call me the taskmaster. So I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've been framing this up as kind of three sections with with any of these practices and especially meditation. It's just, first, it's it's getting clear. So self-awareness and and pausing to be able to, you know, see this stuff happening, right? Recognize, oh yeah, that's anxiety coming to, coming to the door, right? And that, that's, and you can almost disassociate, you know, it's not in your body, it's, it's kind of in front of you, welcome to the party type thing, you know? I see you, you're here, you're going to have to leave now but um, thanks for showing up type thing. And then and then it moves into just being intentional, right? Intentional, and that's what she's doing right now with just being intentional about her days and, and putting those vibes out there. And then essentially the third bucket for me is always, you know, when you get those, you go through those two phases, then that's where uh, exponential opportunity lies or you start to expand possibility because you start seeing things you didn't see before. Conversations or people start calling that, and you're like, well, where, where did they come from? Well, everything's like flowing in the right direction, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 inspiring, at least for me. Like, I, I just, I love learning about this stuff. So I'll go on a soapbox any day, Rhett. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going on a soapbox, but what, <laughs> what I thought was cool is this all ties into it. So the first docuseries was on longevity. And what we learned from that is stress affects longevity, it decreases your longevity. And we talked about it with almost every guest that you need to manage your stress. And some of the modalities that we talked about were uh, meditation, uh, mindfulness, journaling, breath work, all those things. And then right out of the gate, we're talking about immunity 
and we talk about how stress decreases your immunity and decreased immunity is going to ultimately decrease your longevity. So yeah. they are intertwined. So it's really cool just to see that, you know, like she said, 90% of all doctors visits are related to some type of stress, depression, or anxiety, because in the modern world, we're just, we're burning the candle at both ends. So what do you expect? And these are all just physical manifestations of that stress, anxiety, and, and constantly you know, not resting, not sleeping. So to be able to institute meditation and mindfulness, like Rhett was saying, it's crucial. And you're not going to be performing at your peak performance unless you adopt one of these or, or multi the or, or stack as a, a habit stack, as uh, Mark likes to say, you know, to improve performance. Yeah, and, and look at and look at how you know to steal Joe Dispenza's thought, the body doesn't know the difference. So it's the modern day tiger or lion that's constantly stalking you, and so your nervous system gets to a level where instead of being alert, you're just anxious. So you have to recognize that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this one so Rhett can go meditate again, and we'll <laughs> be back. Off so. <laughs> Um, I'm super excited. I mean, what a way to kick off this series. I'm excited for the guests to come. It's going to be a good one. Can she be on every docu-series from here on out? Or She's on, <laughs> definitely be on the mental fitness and the performance. And yeah, exactly. We can... <laughs> All right. We need to make sure the lawyers are happy and make sure that this information is clear for everyone. So please bear with me. But the information on this podcast is for general informational purposes only. The statements and views expressed does not constitute a practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The Peak Health Unlocked podcast disclaims any responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of the information contained herein. Opinions and views of the guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for any statements made by guests. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their own healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you do want to become a patient of Thrive Performance in Regenerative Medicine, please go to thrivemedicine.com to contact us and we would be happy and honored to help you unlock your peak health. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic day.